0: Welcome to the DevReady Podcast, where we're helping non-techs build better tech. Today we're joined by Serge Singh. He is the co-founder of Locomate. Uh, we met Serge in the pharmacy sector. Serge looking, he's looking to disrupt that sector in terms of how um, locums, which are effectively pharmacists that travel from one pharmacy to another, um, from a, a casual basis or it can be even in terms of a, a longer term assisting in the pharmacy sector. So Serge is looking to disrupt that with an application that he's built, uh, similar to Airtask if you think about it from that perspective, where you can actually engage um, a locum to come to your pharmacy when in need. Serge, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having
1: me, guys. My pleasure.
0: And I hope I did the introduction justice. But um, as always, hand over to you. Love to learn about um, you, your background, and how you came about the idea of locum.
1: Like maybe sh- just to explain to everyone what a locum is who doesn't know.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Fair point. yeah so, so I was supposed to explain the term of a, of a locum. I had to learn this through my wife, who's the co-founder, uh, Kavita. And a locum is a, a, essentially a pharmacist who works in multiple stores um, to fill in you know, sick leave, Uh, annual leave cover, or when a pharmacy gets busy, you call in external pharmacists, which happens to be a locum. so almost like a a contractor within the pharmacy space. Um, Like a substitute pharmacist. (laughs) Yeah, in in a sense, yes, yes, exactly. Um, And, you know, comparisons have been made to education before when we start try to explain uh, what a locum is. We'll say, oh, that that sort of substitute is like in, in education. So, yes, that's a good comparison to make, actually. Um, and as, as a way of background, I suppose, um, you know, my background has been in IT, uh, officially did a, a programming degree, never coded a day in my life though, I should say, um, and has... Pro-
0: it's okay, we, we won't hold it against you.
2: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can kind of mean SQL query if that makes, if makes a difference, but uh, yeah, so, so yeah, you that's, know... It's not a bad place to start. Exactly, exactly. So c- coming out of um, university, went into sort of sales slash consulting roles. Uh, technical pre-sales um, and have spent the last four and a bit years as an enterprise architect uh, working for an American uh, software company. Um, so learning the, the ins and outs of the, the larger application landscape within you know large enterprises. Um, and I suppose my wife, who's the co-founder uh, of Locomate, is a pharmacist, uh, which is ha- ha- how the whole idea was mm-hmm. born. Um, back in March 2020, she came home one night and I wasn't traveling as much because just travel restrictions and whatnot. And uh, she was fuming uh, with an invoice she had in her hand. And that sort of started the whole conversation around the frustration she was having in terms of the whole process and in regards to engaging agencies and locums and how that could be improved. Um, Mm -hmm. And me being sort of out of the industry, I said, surely there must be a piece of software that that can help with that process. Um, And let me find something for you. And as I went through the process of trying to find a piece of software, look locally, globally, uh, and turn around and said, actually mm-hmm. one doesn't exist in terms of what you want to be able to do. Um, and that's when sort of the light bulb moment goes off saying, hey, maybe we can build it. Um, so we sort of sat down and said, hey, what does this end-to-end process look like? And, you know, having that architecture background, process mapping, <laughs> how mm-hmm. information flows, uh where the users it helps yes it does exactly exactly um so i I entered my nerd zone with my wife sitting next to me (laughs) literally you know doing all this process mapping. i said oh (laughs) this could you know actually work um and part of that journey has been you know getting that idea from her head onto a process and then validating that Mm -hmm. with the users right because at the end of the day if you you could process and and define anything, but if it doesn't solve a problem for the the end users, in this instance, we've got two sets, right? The pharmacy itself and the locums. Mm -hmm. Um, And hence why, you know, we say we connect pharmacies and locums through the platform.
0: Makes a lot of sense. And there is obviously a clear advantage. Most of the people we're speaking to in this podcast are are non technical backgrounds. So, to give context, um, they may be walking into a a concept or may, they may be in the position of your wife um, and just saying, I have a concept and idea. Now, where do I go to? We find that um, a lot of people look to jump into projects and then get a little bit stuck as to where to start. I think one of the key things you mentioned there was process, understanding the process, mapping how things actually operate, and doing some background research. what exists in the marketplace because that's always the first place you want to be going. Yes, we all may consider building a product, but sometimes people just build a product and later on find that there's 10, 20 other solutions that already exist. So um, to give people context, it's a really good background as to how you might think about starting a concept or looking at an idea.
1: You're in one of the ideal scenarios where there's a non-tech founder and a tech founder (laughs) starting together. So you can protect yourself from being ripped off and Swindled or whatever, getting confused even just by some of the people that are out there.
2: Well, well I've got some stories about that process when we, you know, went through the <laughs> prototyping phase <laughs> and, and got some quotes uh-huh. back on development. And you know, mm. you, you get feedback about, oh, this feature is actually so large and so complex to build. Mm-hmm. And being from a tech, there's an open source version of it. I know for a fact there is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. that you can use as a template, right? So it it, it did help yeah. in that process and. One of the, yep. the, the key balances for us is, you know, if I get too technical, I've got the, the domain expertise to sort of, from a wife to calm me down. And go, mm-hmm. No, 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 that's not going to translate in the business world. We need to do it another way to make it mm-hmm. even more simpler. Uh, because mm-hmm. I think as sometimes technical people, we come up with a great technical solution. Mm-hmm. And we think it's, it's quite candidates. clever and quite simple, but it's not simple enough. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've actually mm-hmm. made it more complex by putting too much technology in sometimes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can overcomplicate and that's what tech teams can do sometimes um, and it all gets back to the user, right? So when you're looking at that whole user experience piece, um, it, it is important to make it simple and the business process simple. So understanding all facets is is a must. On the note of around quotes, um, there's a, that's a lot of things people jump into, they're looking to understand, all right, what's going to cost to bill because clearly we need to know before we can invest into a product. How did, obviously that process can be a little bit daunting for the non-technical. How did you dig your way through that and um, maybe assess some of the teams that you're considering working with?
2: Okay, so I suppose the, probably the, the, the best thing we did in terms of the initial process was once we did the the, the process of the, the user interaction, we made uh, created a prototype. Uh, so actual screens of what a user would go through click by click. So you're not building a system are essentially designing clickable walkthrough of what the app should look like. Um, and this is much better than writing a 200 page requirements documentation, because a picture is worth a thousand words. Um, and we yes. found that that made, made it a lot easier to translate when we showed uh, development teams, as we went through the quoting process. Now mm-hmm. to flip that some development teams would look at that and go, Oh, what you're asking for, we can do it in this many different ways. Right. And some said, There's ways to do it because there's open source technology available. And some Mm. said, we're going to have to build everything from scratch. Um, Mm. And that sort of goes back down to the type of team you're dealing with. Um, Mm. And from our perspective, it was, we just need the minimum viable product to go to market. So we don't want to recreate the wheel in every single aspect of this software. It's to get it to a stage where people can actually touch it and feel it and go, you're on the right track or not. And i think that's yeah. vital because you don't want to create the end product too early because if you get it wrong you've invested all this time money and effort into creating something that people can't use um mm-hmm. so one of the biggest things for us was we we got to that mvp stage quite early validate the idea with end users so we spoke to pharmacies we spoke to locums like that was key and you have to do that if you don't engage your actual users as you're building out the platform even in the prototyping phase you may Mm -hmm. miss something, which is a big thing to fix later on.
0: Yeah, so... being technical it's important to understand that as you architect something or design a a mechanism it could mean going back and spending three months fixing it which may mean you run out of budget so there's a lot to think about and a lot of risk when you go into this world but high risk high return type scenario when you're building product and business it's just yeah, I think building a business 1 out of 10 um, succeed and then building tech businesses probably less than that because you've got the the whole business infrastructure to consider plus you've got a product that's leading that so there's two parts that can fail, um so you got to think about all aspects
2: and that's a good point andrew because mm-hmm. one thing is getting the product right and you're like okay yeah. how do you make this mm-hmm. into a business yes. and there's a whole <laughs> process that sits behind mm-hmm. it right and and mm-hmm. you know we ended yeah. up um, hiring a team to help us with that mm-hmm. because we didn't have the expertise you know building a mm-hmm. tech product is is one thing how do you turn it into a business and how do you make sure both of those components move and progress together mm-hmm. as you go to launch and, and, and as you go yeah. live? Um, so if, if I could give one piece of feedback is engage people that have potentially done it before. Um, yep. And we utilize the consultancy to be able to help us with that because we thought it was key because you could have a product. But if people don't know about it or you don't know <laughs> how to um, make it into a business, then it doesn't last yeah. very long.
0: Mm. Yeah, there's there's a lot of things in that. There's monetization strategy. What makes it viable? Um, How do you keep your runway moving? How do you market it, sell it? How do you communicate it? Um, Because there's a lot to think about. And you're targeting a really niche market. How have you found targeting a niche market? Something I recommend to everybody that gets into this world because... The big platforms that serve everyone are generally owned by the big companies, the SAPs of the world, the the um, ERPs of the world, just serving big organisations and companies. Um, but when you're looking at niche, it's a massive advantage because you can actually get in, understand and serve that market. How have you found dealing in a niche market?
2: Well, it obviously health because we have the domain expertise through uh, a co-founder. Um, and you're right because it allows you to solve some very unique problems or pains that the industry is actually feeling um, so you know we, we started having these conversations one of the key things being in a niche market is and being pharmacy and the way pharmacy operates is building a trust in the brand um, so you know you couldn't just release an app people had to know who was behind it um, so one of the key things we did was we went to uh, app which was australia uh, the pharmacy conference in, in may earlier this year um, and then from a niche perspective you find you were solving one thing, but because you're niche to the market, you're finding Mm -hmm. other problems and solutions that you could solve by adding some additional features in, right? So Mm -hmm. just to give you an example, we said, okay, connect pharmacies and locums together. Mm -hmm. So it's a, it's a matching platform. You have a requirement, someone fills that requirement. And as we, and because we are in the industry and we're not trying to be everything to everyone, um, Mm -hmm. when we have those conversations with the users, Uh, One of the things that we got back from the locums was, hey, I'm actually having issues with the invoicing. It takes too much time. Now, if you think Mm. about invoicing, it's an accounting thing rather than a matching thing. But we're like, actually, it's just a a small extension and we can fix that problem. Now Mm. we've got an end-to-end solution that we're providing rather than focusing on one problem. Um, Mm -hmm. Now we can do that because we're focused on the industry rather than trying to spread across the board too much.
1: Mm. It's that depth versus breadth. You can go deeper into the problems and understand everything better mm-hmm. than exactly. just trying to be generic and fix some things for most people.
2: Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, you know, there are groups and um, operations managers that we've been having a conversation with mm-hmm. 12 months prior to launch uh, because they bought into the vision when we first mm-hmm. built the prototype and said, this is what the industry needs. And we've gone back to them for feedback along the way as we've gone across the, the journey to today, and the insights that they provide about actually, if you add another small step, you could solve this other big problem we're having. Mm. Um, so all of a sudden, you know, from day one where it's just matching a locum to a, a, a shift, mm-hmm. uh, we're looking at other things that we can solve in the, the whole talent place for pharmacy. Yeah, that's,
0: that's hugely viable. And I think people need to understand that if you engage your customers, they buy into the journey, like you just said, and they become long-term customers because they've helped you plan, build, design, architect. If you think about it, the solution and what it can mean for the industry for themselves. Um, and they it's easier to get buy-in, right? So at the time you pull the trigger and say, yes, we're operational, you have customers ready to go, not pull the trigger, and then we have to market and find customers um, and then find that our product is not really matching because you can quite easily do that. Um, if you think back to when you started, you had the concept, you were going to build that concept. How much have you moved from that initial concept in terms of what it will be delivered from an operation perspective?
2: Um, quite a bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah. you know, we're still – the foundation mm-hmm. of the product is yeah. still there. The mm-hmm. core – Product did is still there. Mm -hmm. Is just all of the additional things that have come along the way based Mm -hmm. on feedback, right? Um, And I think you have to be very honest with your customers Mm -hmm. day one. Um, So when we said we're building a platform to connect you with locums, Mm -hmm. well, until a database gets to a certain extent, we're not going to be able to fill a shift within 24 hours because it it needs to be at a certain size. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was honest about that and and say, if you come on this journey with us, then we Mm -hmm. can do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we can release features that can help fill a shift within 24 hours. However, if you don't get buy-in early on to, from, from potential customers and partners to come on that journey, then it's, it's a difficult road. Mm-hmm. Um, and because they're coming on that journey, you're, you're hearing other stories, you're speaking to the stores, the pain points, and you're like, you know, one small example is mm-hmm. um, I spoke to a, a smaller group. that said, we have trouble attracting students, Okay. Um, to our pharmacy group. That's not a locum, um, that's so different.
0: <laughs>
2: yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like, well, it's a similar concept, mm-hmm. but different audience, right? Yes. Um, so how do we incorporate some of those challenges in? And it's not a big step. However, we can't do that today. Um, so we're now working with them. So, okay, how do we take this next step with you and work together to not only address what our first problem, which was locums, but how do we work together to solve this other problem we have? Um, and you're, almost working in partnership with your customers to be able to do that.
0: So earlier you mentioned MVP. Um, People can sort of get stuck with the word board. What does MVP really mean? Uh, How have you framed that in the business to say, okay, what does it mean for you? What is it? Step one, we're commercial, we're viable, or is it we're able to test? What does an MVP really mean for you? Because everyone's got a different meaning.
2: Um, For us, on our journey, it meant we were able to show the end-to-end process of the app working in real life. Mm-hmm. Um, because yep. once again, in pharmacy, people said, we need to see it to believe it. Um, so mm-hmm. we took the MVP to um, the, the conference, APP, because mm-hmm. that was the us coming out as a brand, but also showing potential mm-hmm. customers what the uh, the app could do. And if, you know, and that was May. So if you fast forward six months, it's, it's there's a thousand percent difference in what the product's capability is today. Uh, and that's just the nature of, you know, the agile framework and, and how we do things. But when we showed, uh, and, and one particular uh, pharmacist owner came up and said, you make it sound easy, but I doubt it is, right? Uh, yeah, okay. I said, Let me show you. Um, and this is the whole thing about having a product that works, right? So so this is what we've got today. I went in, clicked the dates, added the shift and said, this now push, gets pushed out to all of the pharmacies. And I kid you not, like I've got a quote, official quote at the conference with this photo. Um, you'll see it on our LinkedIn page. His jaw dropped. And he said, it was easier than what you explained it to be. And I said, that's what we try to achieve, right? And and the I think the MVP's job is to bring that some of those vision to life, so people can actually touch it, feel it, and go, yep, that does what I need it to mm-hmm. do, and it's going to solve that first problem. I'm now going to come on that journey with you to solve this problem mm-hmm. holistically.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a fair point, just solving the first problem and showcasing that, because sometimes people can think about their product and just keep going and building and building and building, and the MVP is shifting and shifting and shifting, uh, because let's just add this, 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 and this. How do you know where to stop and what's enough? Is it just the surf problem? Let's show one process, happy flow, this is working? Or what does it mean for you? What do you stop?
2: Um, well, you're right. You could just keep going and going and going, right? Yeah. For us, it was, do we have a product that can solve what we set out to do? Mm-hmm. Yes. Is it stable enough? Um, as you know, with <laughs> development, you know, with yes. the, especially in the early phases you do going through your testing but you still there's still bugs and, and so forth is it stable mm-hmm. enough because yeah. yes you know people especially the early partners understand mm-hmm. that this is a new product and in fact mm-hmm. the first group that we launched with they said oh we expect bugs we know there will be bugs right mm-hmm. um so let's just go and, and see um we'll test it and find bugs for you if that's the case um mm-hmm. so that built a little bit of confidence in saying okay yep yeah, we don't have to be perfect um, yep. and, that helps. And it's we, a good customer. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Yep. And and we mm. shared our vision and said, this is where we want to be, mm. but we're here, and they're like, yep, let's go. We're we're on the journey with you. So it sort of helped and made it easy. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you follow this guy on on LinkedIn. Is it Andrew Gazdecki? the um, microacquire guy?
0: No, I don't. I don't follow. He, it, it, no,
2: he runs Microrequire, and, and one yeah. of his quotes was, "The best time to go live is now." <laughs> uh, because then you can start gathering feedback, yeah, right? Because yeah. you can always try to perfect the product, perfect the product, perfect the product. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you miss the mark and someone else has come in and solved the problem where you should have. Um, yes. But for us, it's, was the, the the MVP was, can it do the first bit? Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, did we have a, a partner, customer who can come on board and, and join us? Yes. And am I happy? And this is the problem with being a techie. Is it stable enough for my liking? Yeah. Yeah.
1: You're always looking for stability, aren't you? Yes. Yeah. 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 It's a fine line between stability and then knowing there's bugs. Mm-hmm. That you're happy to
2: let
1: out. It yeah, it's it's a known feature, right? Yeah, it's a known
2: feature. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you've
0: got to let it let it let it off because in the end you want to, you're really looking for feedback. Um, at that stage of that MVP, it's early trial. You want to know you're on the right path. Um, sometimes you can spend months perfecting, and that those months are wasted because you were on the wrong path or tangent. So yeah, it's it's a tough balance but well, to yeah. make that decision. Yeah.
2: Exactly, like um, this whole feature around the invoicing and payment—that was twelve months down the track for us.
1: Mm.
2: And we had all these other f- nice features that we wanted to build in before it. Yeah. And then as soon as it went live, and the feedback from everyone was like, "We want that," mm. so we brought it forward. Now, mm-hmm. if we had waited six to twelve months, yeah. it would have been crazy. Right? It wasn't. Yes, we solved the problem, but it wasn't the biggest problem that the users felt that they had. Mm. Um, so it gives you the flexibility to. To change your roadmap as well, mm-hmm. um, and that was the, just that quick feedback from the users that are mm-hmm. going to be using your system, mm-hmm. rather than what you think or what your internal team thinks yeah. is important.
0: Yeah, I think it's the, when you're designing roadmap, we just we have blinkers on. We make make the wrong move. And that's that's very true. So the users should be driving your roadmap, not you or not a few people within a room. Because, yeah, as soon as you start thinking that way, you can go off the rails, you can be building something that isn't really needed, but what they need, like you said, is in 12 months time in your roadmap. So um, can derail it a little bit.
1: Yeah, what you think uh, they need and what they actually need are two very, very different Mm -hmm. things most Mm -hmm. times.
2: Exactly. And it's also the, the whole feedback loop, right? Like you might have 100 users and one user wants something very specific, but Mm -hmm. 99 of them want something else, right? You have Mm -hmm. to sort of, whilst being in a niche industry, you still have to be a bit more generic in your approach as well Mm -hmm. and and solve for the masses rather than the 5%. Uh, You could do that down the track. However, your your focus needs to be delivering something that more people can use rather than restricting it.
0: In terms of um, that one there, how have you had those conversations? Because... Sometimes people can be a bit of a challenge in this space where they've got one customer screaming about X but no one else needs that. What? How do you approach those conversations? What have you done in that area to actually appease them but not put all your focus and attention on them as well if that's not going to serve the yeah. broader community?
2: And I think this is where you can be honest mm-hmm. um, and not over-promise mm-hmm. and then deliver right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we did have a, group, uh, a conversation with a group where they wanted some very specific features mm-hmm. in the app which suited their workflow. Mm-hmm um understand it yes it's Mm -hmm. a requirement and we can understand certain groups will work that way Mm -hmm. however what we're building today we probably won't get there to that level of flexibility Mm -hmm. for them to be able to change the workflow to suit their needs till down the track and it's just an honest conversation saying we're going to get there Mm -hmm. but not today it's going to be 6 12 18 months down the track Mm -hmm. um and i think that honest conversation they know where we are and Mm -hmm. we'll connect back Mm -hmm. at a later stage rather than throwing everything out just to meet a very unique requirement Mm. and then forgetting about the rest of the users. Yep.
0: No, that's clear. It's good advice um, because sometimes people are trying to please everybody and it's just impossible. You can't can't please everybody in this journey. No.
2: You can't. And I think um, you need a clear vision of what the product, you want the product to be able to do. Mm -hmm. And that is the guiding Mm -hmm. principle. So one of the best pieces of advice we got when we actually set up the company, Mm. Us, someone actually said to us, "Set up your core values." And we're like, <laughs> "Core values? Yeah. Like, we'll worry about that later." Like, they don't yeah. "Set up your core values," and when we did that, like, innovation was a, a key one for us, mm-hmm. but simplicity mm-hmm. was another one. So yeah. now, when people ask us for things, we try to line them up with our core values. Mm-hmm. Even potential customers or potential partners, if they don't align with our the core values, then it's not worth doing. Mm-hmm. It. Um, because that helps us straight true to what we want to do.
0: Mm. It keeps you on point. That's a that's a fair point. If you're using you, I think a lot of people can put call values. And in the past we've been um, one of these. You put them on a board, a wall, and you know you forget about them. But if you're using them in operation of the business, how you employ people, how you um, bring on customers, and even your product roadmap. That's the first time I've heard of that actually. Um, using it against your product roadmap makes a lot of sense. That's an interesting take on that actually.
2: Well, it was, it was probably yeah, a, a, a very, great specific, mm. you know, it was good advice that we yeah. received. Mm-hmm. Um, and when we did try to enforce it, yeah. even with, like, we've been approached from potential partnerships mm-hmm. and whatnot. And yeah. that is, like you know, the, mm. that is our uh, book of reference. Or yes. like, actually, there's not alignment here. Yeah. They're not innovating. They're not making a simple, like, gonna it simple. That's going to make complex. Mm-hmm. And no, that's not us. Okay. No, that's,
0: that's very good because you use it in all facets of everything. I think that's a, a really sound strategy. It will keep you on point and it'll make sure the business at the end is simple, innovating and whatever the other core values are because you're living by them. Yeah. You know, just putting them on a wall. Yeah. Good point for everybody to think about when they're sort of starting. Cause, um, when we start, yes, we might have a vision for a product, but there's a business to think about too. Yeah. Yeah.
2: They will go up on the
0: wall one day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you, you need to do that, mate. Everyone's got to put them on a the wall. But <laughs> yeah. if you're living by them, everyone knows why they're there and it makes a lot of sense. In terms of the exactly. the vision for the business, talk a bit more about that. Where do you plan on taking this? Um, are you actually operational, have some customers at the moment? What's what's the take and where it looks? And then what's, yeah. what's the two-year trajectory? Where do you think you might take this to? Sure. Um, so we did a soft
2: mm-hmm. launch. 27th of September, yep. uh, we started getting pharmacies and locums mm-hmm. on board. And so it was controlled, right? Mm-hmm. Invited set of locums, invited set of stores. And now we're getting stores that weren't part of the list signing mm-hmm. up and locums that weren't part of the list signing up. And even though we haven't sort of expanded our you know, outside of the Southeast yet, and the next phase is essentially to go all of mm-hmm. Victoria. Um, and that's gonna happen as soon as the payment feature goes mm-hmm. live, because we want to, you know, expand with a solution already in hand. So that we're a few days away from that. Um, and when that goes live, that will be the rest of Victoria, followed by the other states in late mm-hmm. Jan, early Feb. And part of that is making sure we get the stores and the locums on board to make sure there's enough supply and demand. Um, from a, a roadmap technology perspective, um, I've got my whole you know, future yes. state uh, where we wanna be. And it's a case of, what we're doing today with with, with and we're collecting some key pieces of data. Um, so for us, it's we don't want to be just a transaction platform where you have a shift mm-hmm. and that's all you do. Uh, we feel like we can provide a lot of great insights back to mm-hmm. the industry. Um, so one of those things is we've built a, a feedback mechanism for every shift, uh, and it's aligned to the Pharmaceutical Society of Australia's, you know, how to become a better pharmacist vision on their white paper they built. So we. Looked at the white paper, categorised it, and, and included that as our feedback mechanism. Now, what does this mean? Is now we have the only platform in Australia that collects real-time data on every shift on how pharmacists are performing in the real environment, which then allows us to use that for, you know, things such as, you know, is there particular skill sets, a skill set or sets mm-hmm. that are missing? Is there any particular areas of focus? where we can utilize that because Cavi, being from the domain, pharmacist, owner, is to, at the end of the day, produce mm. better pharmacists for the industry because that provides better healthcare for the community. And you can imagine
0: where that leads into upskilling, training, certain areas that are lacking from a pharmacist perspective and areas of improvement, feedback from a uh, back to this pharmaceutical society. So there's a lot in that from a data perspective that could actually assist. And also, you might find gaps that um, locums have that are consistent across the the sector. And it might be 60% of them, and there's a clear indication of some sort of additional training or mechanism that's put into that area. So there's a lot of value in that data set.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah, and and unfortunately, the way the industry's Mm. set up, and, and no one's ever addressed this is, Locums essentially, you know, they're Mm self-employed individuals, so they don't belong to a company or an organisation that invests back in their Mm. training. Okay. Because if you're you're full-time employed or part-time employed, you know, you you get your performance management, you get your, you know, how you're going, tracking through Mm -hmm. the year, and then if there's training, Mm -hmm. then the company takes you through training. So unfortunately, there's no mechanism like that that exists for Locums Mm -hmm. today. Um, And what we want to do to be able to, better serve that community and make sure that they don't feel like a transaction mm-hmm. where they have a, a essentially locomate once should be their the community to to be able to get access to those trainings and whatnot so we're already speaking to partners who can provide additional free training to help upskill or certain areas of um from a local skill set perspective so our, our vision is not just a transactional platform mm-hmm. but building a community
1: yeah brilliant that's a good context there yeah It'll definitely help the community and then, like you said, the broader community in general, just getting that better service and improvement from the pharmacists across and the I think
0: world.
2: Exactly. And yeah, one of
0: the things is the locums also want to understand where there are um, areas of improvement and also good feedback when there is good feedback and, um, Reinforcement to what they're doing well. And I think that's a good thing. Um, so they'll get that additional feedback and then it'll be upon them to even invest in themselves and think about how they might better themselves in areas that they consistently see that they're, they're lacking in. So it. It actually will make the industry stronger, as you said. Um, if you obviously get mass adoption of a product like this, which is the end goal, it's mass adoption. It's it's being the number one leader in this space is what I would imagine you want to be. And then um, maybe taking it internationally at some point. But yeah, starting in Victoria makes a lot of sense. And even you said southeastern suburbs of Victoria, which is very niche. Um, but yeah, I like how you've picked a little area, testing with some pharmacies and some locums, and then looking to broaden one step at a time. Uh, because people can go too big too quickly, yep. that can be another limitation and then complete fail for delivery as well.
2: Mm. Exactly, and we didn't want to get stuck in a situation mm-hmm. where like, we turn mm-hmm. out and say, hey, we're national. Yes. <laughs> but we don't have uh, locums mm-hmm. nationally on our database, right? So one of the, the key things that we did as part of mm-hmm. onboarding, we did pre-registration mm-hmm. as well to get users on the platform before the platform mm-hmm. was live. Uh, and we had great uptake um, in, in terms of numbers mm-hmm. Going to the conference helped yeah. because people saw us. Okay, yep, you exist. So I will have <laughs> a pre register. So that's also helped us dictate where we mm-hmm. roll out, right? So the reason why we chose yeah. Melbourne and Southeast, we had a lot of yeah. locums in the Southeast of Melbourne register. So that dictated where we mm-hmm. launched. Um, and then if you look at numbers for other states, um, Queensland and New South Wales are actually quite mm-hmm. even. So we could do both at the same time or potentially one after mm-hmm. the other within a matter of weeks because the numbers are mm-hmm. quite even. Um, we didn't want to go, you know, in the middle of a city where we had no locomotives because once again, the data tells yes. you where to go, right? Your data is key in every decision making mm-hmm. aspect.
0: Oh, brilliant. Um, Serge, so been a, a great conversation. One last question I like to always ask is what gets you up in the morning? What inspires you to keep moving and target a big vision like this? Because, um, it's not for everybody, but what's, what gets you up in the morning and keep driving? And obviously, there's, there's times where it gets challenging. So what keeps you going every day?
2: I think it's the, the different conversations I have on a daily basis. Uh, you know, you, you get the feedback about, oh, you guys are doing something great in the industry. Have you thought yeah. about this? People are reaching out saying, hey, you know, you guys are doing great here. Can you do also this? So it's, uh, how do I put it? It's this amazing networking opportunity that I've had as a result of this, where people are, you know, crossing your paths mm-hmm. every day, people doing something completely different in pharmacy saying, hey, we should connect because we could change the industry <laughs> together in this component mm-hmm. as well. Um, so it's, it's different to a five job. <laughs> th- uh, you, you, know, <laughs> yeah. you sort of know
1: what you're going to yeah. get out of every day. Yeah.
2: Whereas here, yeah. one yeah. conversation in the morning changes my complete <laughs> day. Like, for example, I woke up one morning with a severity one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that was yes. an interesting day, but you wouldn't change it for the world because you, I learned so much on that day that defined the processes I need in place to make sure that we handle it a bit better mm. next time, right? So it's it's the, the mm. different learnings learning. every day. Like, yeah, you know, it's continuous you know,
0: learning. I think that's you've flagged that pretty well. Um, it's that idea creation space that you're in that's always continuous opportunity. And um, if you're solving a problem, opportunity comes to you. It's quite an interesting world that we live in. As um, soon as you start really adding value, you seem to find things pop up um, quite easily. So flow, it's that flow state of flow that
1: things start moving really well. Um, surge, really good. Go for it, mate. Well, one, more, one more question yeah. before we go. Sure. So yeah. since you're in that unique spot as a non-tech co-founder and a, co- and a tech co-founder, what yeah. sort of advice would you give to the other the listeners out there who don't have a Surge on their team and are just trying to do it on their own?
2: Um So if you're coming from the business world, right?
1: Yeah, so you're a non-tech founder trying to build your tech product.
2: Yeah, um, find a great partner. And when I say a partner, it doesn't have to be a co-founder that you go and search out because that's a serious Mm -hmm. commitment, right? Uh, But find a a tech partner that can help you build a product and fill the void of not having a technical co-founder to be able to help you on that journey. uh, Someone you can build trust with to be able to, bring to life from a technical perspective, what you wanna solve. Uh, I think that's key because if you can trust the the company, the individual that you're working with to be able to bring that to life, that was that's a big part of the problem you don't have to worry about, right? So when uh, Cavi goes and speaks about what she wants to achieve, she doesn't have to think about, oh, how am I gonna make this a reality, right? I, I, that's my problem, <laughs> I think about it. You
0: need to have someone you can actually rely on and believe in and comes on that journey with <laughs> you. Um, because, yeah, either it's a it's a co-founder, um, that is a big commitment. Even, like, you need to treat your technical people as technical partners in some capacity because if they're not, they're just there for a transaction. I think that's where things can get a little bit stuck too. They have to believe in the vision. They have to be onboarded to that. Um, that's something I've learned during this podcast is people that generally find good partners, they believe in the vision, they believe in the business and the direction it's going in, um, and they buy into that too. And I think that's... It's one of the things that I've noticed that uh, makes a big difference.
2: Oh, it's, um, yeah. so just on that, right? Like yeah. I've seen so many people that said, oh, so you're going to mm. develop this and take this overseas, find mm. the cheapest resource to build mm. I'm like, no, yeah. I need to make sure the people I'm mm. working with understand what I'm trying to build, mm-hmm. like coming on that journey and see the vision, right? So even though I'm a yeah. technical, I'm not coding it. Right. Um, so, I'm shifting some of that mm-hmm. responsibility to a team and mm-hmm. that team needs to share that vision and that team needs to have, mm-hmm. be able to think outside the box. So if I speak to someone who mm-hmm. can't bring any ideas yeah. or innovation to the table, mm-hmm. they're not the right partner because of what they're trying to do is build mm-hmm. exactly what you're saying. But sometimes what you say can be done in the
0: It can be, yeah, it's technology, yeah.
2: <laughs> there are a thousand ways to do
1: one thing, Correct. Yeah, to- yeah. Comparing apples to oranges at that point.
2: Exactly, exactly. So, so, so just to give you that example, when we finished mm-hmm. the, 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 the prototype, had people interested mm-hmm. from both parties, we were like, okay, let's go build it. And when we went to find a development partner, I could quite easily tell they're just trying mm-hmm. to make the most amount of money from this project rather than someone saying, hey, actually, you can do this now. Mm-hmm. And then when you look two years down the track, you could do this Mm. because we've built it to do Mm -hmm. that. And you're like, they share the vision. They can see where I'm trying to take this company. And Mm. that way you can rest a bit easy saying, they're coming on the journey with me rather than Mm -hmm. a transaction, right? Um, And I've reached out to people as I went through that Mm -hmm. process of trying to find a development partner. And I heard some Mm. horror stories, like people take it, build it, give it back to you. And they Mm. gave you a really good build price, right? But then now you're like, oh, I'm going to yeah, yeah, that's like 10 times the price of the bill mm-hmm. because they know you're stuck and you're real heavily reliant. Yeah. So, no. and I'm like, that's not a partnership. That's a transaction mm. and they're taking it. Yeah. It's, to it's a tough
0: world, the tech space. Um, finding good partners can be challenging. We've had many stories on the podcast where people have gone down that exact sort of journey. Um, we had one guy lost a house as a result of trying to build a product and it's a little bit scary. That's why we started the podcast in the first place. It was, we've had these people come to us and, and share their stories and we thought who's who's going to put their hand up and start sharing and that's how we all started this this conversation because in, the, in effect we're just trying to share a conversation around how to think about building technology especially the non-technical we found them really get stuck um, and find that they might find themselves in a bit more of a hole than someone that's got a technical founder on the team so yeah, really good insight in terms of how you got approached it, because I think that's a good point around how they innovate, how they think and how they bring ideas to the table. Um, one of the answer to these articles you shared was uh, never hire yes people um, and yes developers. And yes developers will just say, uh, you'll tell them XYZ and they'll build XYZ and they won't do anything else. But how do you know as a non-technical founder that your XYZ is correct or the right way to do things or even the right direction for the product? So yeah hundred percent agree with that
2: yeah and you know i've had Mm -hmm. stories where i envisioned the product to be built a certain way and then when i get the result i'm like Mm -hmm. oh wow i didn't even think of that right and developers like oh yeah Yeah. i just took the the developers took the initiative because they're like Mm -hmm. it just makes sense from a user experience perspective Mm -hmm. to be to be able to do that and the the biggest piece of advice is Mm -hmm. get references (laughs) speak to their other clients And, yeah. and see how they found the yep. journey, right? Because mm-hmm. if another client who's yep. launched a business and speaking nice things about it, yep. then you're in a good spot.
0: In terms of search, if anyone wants to find out about that? Locomate, how might they find out about you or get in contact?
2: Oh, look, uh, reach out to me directly on LinkedIn if you're on LinkedIn, uh, locomate.com.au website as well. I'm um, always happy to connect and, and, and have a conversation, right? So if anyone wants to kick my brain about any part of the journey, I'm more than happy to to have a chat. I think the more we can share, the more people learn and the better experiences people get.
0: Thanks for sharing that, um, Serge. That's a really good take and anyone listening, um, yep, he's a great guy, don't abuse that, but uh, yeah, um, it's a really good journey and taking a nice methodical approach to how you might build technology. Serge, thanks for joining us, it's been a real pleasure. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you for having me, guys. We'll end
0: that there. thanks.